This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. Well, I almost said Friday night preview show. It's not Friday. <laughs> no, because Friday would be Christmas Eve, and that just would not do. Uh, so in- <laughs> instead, it's a Chelsea Fancast Thursday night preview show. And of course, I am Stamford Chidge. And uh, as ever, the uh, I mean, you know, his 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 fame is just rocketing at the moment. He's just unstoppable. The man is on fire, I tell you. Mr. Jonathan Kidd, the Chelsea fan bite. Or, or the fanny bite, as I called it last night. The fanny bite, yes. Well, it can't technically. I was right, you see, because I've always said the fan bite is an abbreviation of the fan cast. I will never ever call it the fanny bite again. I did it entirely for Andrew Davis. I know because he asked for it to he be the did. fanny bite last night. He did indeed. But you see, fannies are, are, are slightly off. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the Guinness <laughs> moment. I, I, I alluded to the Guinness be, moment in the fan bite. Be very oh. careful where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we called it the fannies, Tony. It opens up endless amounts of knob gags and similar. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, well, you might as well introduce him, even though he's done a good job of it himself. Oh, well, it's... it's, it's I mean, it's... I'm, I'm speechless. Words I'm fail you. It's, it's half a smut, buddy. And um, and it's uh, it's the, the excellent Tony Glover. Good evening. It is lovely to be here. To be able to talk about something other than Christmas. Yes. Well, and I don't mean Christmas football. I mean in general, because the season of festivities is starting to drive me mad. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I I was wondering, Tony, when I I didn't think about this when I booked you in, and I was thinking, oh, won't Tony be up to his eyes with Christmas festivities? Won't Won't Tony be having to don his well worn and trusty Father Christmas suit? <coughs> And entertain all of his grandchildren and, and and not be the Grinch. But I should have known better. He's actually delighted to be with us tonight to escape all of that lunacy. Are you not, Tony? <laughs> yes. yes, to be a proper Grinch. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Good for you, mate. Yeah. Well, I haven't even had time to put up a Christmas tree yet. And I actually managed, <laughs> I managed to send out some Christmas cards 
uh, yesterday. Well, they actually went in today's post this morning. So that's how disorganised I am now. They'll some... get there late, Chidge. Well, they'll just get there when they get there, won't they? Now, I'm delighted to say uh, for the first part of it, we normally have a journalist on, as you know, but uh, it being it's Christmas and they have young kids, I've, I've decided that uh, we'll we'll let them be for a while. Uh, and in a funny old sense, it's kind of worked out quite well because actually the first part of the show today, we are going to have a look back at the Brentford game last night. Uh, and then in part two, we're going to have uh, the lovely Justin Hawthorne back with us from Up the Villa podcast. He's going to be telling us all about Villa because we've got them coming up on Boxing Day. And then, of course, we'll be previewing that game ourselves, as we always do. Um, but I say it's appropriate. It's appropriate because, of course, uh, Jonathan was at the game last night. I had a ticket, as you know, in the in the home end. Uh, but I... I, I I don't know if I told you this, but I, I had a client who told me that they'd, they'd tested positive for COVID. Mm. So I've been sitting here bloody testing myself every day, you know, just dreading the, 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 the bad news, which will no doubt arrive on Christmas morning. Uh, but thus far, I'm, I'm still testing negative. But uh, I decided not to go for all sorts of various reasons, which was a great shame because it was great fun, wasn't it, uh, JK, by the looks of it? It was completely fabulous. They were really, really good. Really good. I mean, and Brentford just decided they would do this block and boot the ball up the pitch. They've got two very swift boys. The uh, the fullback, I think his name is Henry. Blimey. Um, I thought he would get, he got to the ball every time before Simons, who had a very good game, Simons. The the, the reserves, the, the youth were absolutely outstanding. It was a very joyous occasion subsequently. It's really intriguing how um, if you give the youth an opportunity and they fit in beautifully and you see that they're playing the same kind of way you understand the philosophy is getting through and you you you're you're almost without criticism because you so want them to do well and it really brought up memories of my youth watching the youth play for Chelsea you you just you love the enthusiasm you you're willing to forgive because they're you know it's the first time they played for Chelsea must be an unbelievably um, proud moment for them all, for the first team. And uh, the fact that they they absolutely vindicated their selection was fantastic. And um, so I loved it for that reason. I loved it because we played so well and contained them beautifully. And I absolutely bizarrely loved it because Saul was so good in the first half. Blimey! It made you think, well, actually... He, he's got to play there. That's that's the position he has to play because he bossed it. He bossed the whole thing. And then uh, Jorginho came on and was excellent. I have to say, excellent. And many and Saul was then slightly wasted playing up front, but also from a crowd point of view, what went through the whole songbook, which was absolutely joyous. There were, however, too many people there who, how can I put it, had imbibed a variety of 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 concoctions and cocktails who seemed to be only interested in getting us to sing. I always called them exhorters, you know, as in encouragers. And he wanted to say, mate, stop pointing at me for not singing. Just watch the game. For God's sake, watch it. And then we then get a whole series of mass of them trying to taunt all the Brentford fans to the right, which became tedious beyond belief. But um, that was because we were 2-0 up. Um, but um, as a as a um, uh, as also an opportunity to see us not not give a goal away um, immediately and and win with a, with a clean sheet and also win very convincingly um, and and the 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 joy in the crowd was absolutely tangible. It was uh, 
was a fabulous evening. It was definitely. I mean, I I, I ended up watching it on a on a dodgy stream, and uh, I mean, uh, I mean, actually, you know, what was remarkable? I mean, like the crowd were fantastic. I mean, it's really interesting because you know, I, I if had I had gone, I would have had to have sat there, you know, with my you know sat on my hands and not not oh. you know been able to have really got into this, and it would have been torturous to know that actually the Chelsea away section were going through the entire repertoire. I mean, Tony, I, this was this amazed me, Tony. They were even singing the Chelsea Ranger, which I haven't heard at a game for donkeys. It, yeah, um, I mean, I watched it on a, my, a dodgy stream with, with, in a language. I've no idea what it was. I, I watched, uh, I think I watched the, um, it might have been, the, uh, no, I can't remember what game it was now, the Leeds game or something like that. I think I watched the Leeds game on that. And, uh, uh and it didn't distract from the game at all. The fact that I had no idea what even language—I couldn't even guess what language it was. Um, but it does seem to be something. I, I, I it was a little bit me that does wonder whether or not this was an opportunity to, um, uh, you know, uh, party before it all gets stopped um, a little bit. Because I'm, I'm not convinced that uh, there won't be restrictions um, coming forthwith which will limit either the number of fans going to grounds and that sort of stuff. So maybe there was a little bit of that there. Uh, Gallo's humour would be too strong. Christmas fixtures are often a bit before Christmas, I think. They're often a bit bit rowdy, aren't they? Whereas uh, Boxing Day matches, I think, actually used to be very rowdy, but have become quite sonambulant recently. Yes, yes. and Well, yes, I think you're right, actually. I can't think of any reason. The last really rowdy Boxing Day game I remember going to was um, a four-all against Aston Villa. Of all well, teams. how about that? Um, now, we, we the first thing we really need to talk about is the kids. And, uh, you know, unless you're a, an absolute youth aficionado, then you're lying if you said that you knew much about Simon's uh, Soonsop Bell and Harvey Vale. Uh, my, my first observation is that Harvey Vale actually looks like a young Jason Cundy, would you believe? I saw that tweet. Yeah. Which he does, isn't he? It's spooky. Um, look, frankly, I thought they were really, really good. Like you were saying, J.K. Um, Sunsop Bell was okay. I thought Vale really impressed me. Um, should have scored with that header if you were yeah. being, you know, truthful. But yeah. uh, he got into a beautiful position, and that 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 I think is something that is inherent if you're a striker. It's not something that can be really taught, uh, annoyingly, because we often wish that it could be. But he just he just knowing, you know, the right position to be in, and he drifted in between their centre-backs beautifully. Shame he couldn't put it away. I absolutely loved him charging back 40 yards to, uh, to two-foot Pinnock to stop him going any further and getting a yellow card. This is what we want, as Chris Tarrant <laughs> used to say. This is what we want. Absolutely, I loved it. Loved him to pieces, and I thought Simons was all right too. You know, he did all right defensively, cracked yep. off a good shot. And yep. I mean, how delightful to see three young kids, you know, not making asses of themselves and looking like they belong there. Absolutely joyous. The number of times that, you know, a new person has come in who's been average, but it was, and, and you think, well, it's their first time. Well, we've got to, you know, get behind them, they're having a go. The number of times we've seen people that never seen them again. Isn't that isn't that the case? You know, uh, various was it was there was there Cruttendon was one of them I remember. <laughs> Nick Cruttendon, yeah, hell. never seen him again. You know, you play once. And on you... tonight's show, in the next part, we will have Nick Cruttendon coming <laughs> on. <the special. laughs> but that, but that, that kind of example of, of somebody who you you're enthusiastic about, but you think they're not quite up to it, and then it never it never comes to fruition. You could see all these players playing in the first team. I have to say, playing Premier League football, uh, it, they're, they're that good. Yeah. Um, you know, Simons was um, um, 
uh, he was really put through the ringer by this this the fullback Henry, and he just he kept up with him. But of course, the person who was absolutely magnificent at dealing with anything like that was Chalabar, who was ab, ab, phenomenal playing. And one must one must praise him for his his the season he has had to come from nowhere yeah. to put in these absolutely fantastic performances mm. is is so. He's so praiseworthy. I completely take my hat off to him. Yeah, I think quite, quite phenomenal. I think he's he's been outstanding. Yeah, this season. And you are right, JK. Came from nowhere. I don't think there was anybody on the fan cast, anybody on Twitter or anything, was saying, "Watch out for this boy." You know, he's he's coming through. Or whatever. No one, as far as I'm aware, had, had mentioned him as even being <clears throat> anything more than a fringe squad player. To see him come through, I think the point about the youngsters. Uh, and and them not making arseholes of themselves. Let's be honest. That's what that's that, that's what you do. Your first thought is, oh, please don't make an arsehole of yourself. Yeah. Um, is that they learn more from uh, an encounter like last night. But more importantly, so does Tommy Tuchel. He'll know much more about it than than anybody else. I, I'm going to go on mute because my granddaughter's coming to say Santa's little hello. helper. Yeah. We were all hello. waving. Hello, hello, that's hello. Hello, good to see you. Happy Christmas. Hello. Hope you have a lovely Christmas. Yeah, see, they hope you have a lovely Christmas. Yeah. Do you hope they have a lovely Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, good. Right, you go. Thank you very much. Thank you, darling. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you oh, know, there might be one other little oh, monster. Okay. We, we'll, we'll carry on. You come back when you're. you're yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will do. Yeah. All right. I've just muted you, Tones. Oh, no, I've just right. muted JK, stupid boy. All right. There we go. I'll mute you, Tony. And JK, uh, we're talking about Chalaba, and I, I think we're absolutely right to. Um, I mean, he was like the old man in the middle of the defence, wasn't he, in a weird way? But I, I mean, what I loved, I mean, you know, there's the leadership qualities that are coming through. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder how much he's learnt from uh, from Silva and possibly Rudiger, or how much of that is just inherent. But he, he organised it. He was everywhere. Whenever there was danger... And Dave, I think you should take it. Yeah, I, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Yes. Duly noted. Uh, bad omission. But uh, he was everywhere uh, uh, last night, you know. I mean, because, you know, they did have a few. They, they caught us on the break a few times, which seemed to be their only plan. Oh, their only but plan. Quite Bizarre. often, often Trevo was the last line of defence and he was getting in there amongst it, shouting, pointing. And I thought, oh, I like that. There's a leader in there waiting to come out. Also, we got some very good headers that, um, I mean, they. They do do this thing. I keep pointing this out. This this scoop cross they keep doing. They don't. They, they just lob it up into the area, looking for a for second ball being headed down. And um, he he got some fantastic headers in. I mean, as did they all. I thought Alonso played out of his skin as well. I have to say, I thought yeah. he, he also defensively. And also, we got a bit of Alonso last night that we had um, at the beginning of the season. That ability to beat beat a couple of men and then. Uh, play the ball th through somebody's legs for a really decent setting up a goal. I thought Alonso was that was the best we'd seen at the beginning of the season. He was back to that last night. I was very impressed indeed. Maybe, um, maybe you know we're all a bit old now, all three of us, and uh, you know maybe, maybe like us, he, he takes a bit of a bit of a while to warm up again, having had a break. Yeah, it might be the case. Yeah. He, they, um, everybody sang. Marcus Alonso runs down the wing for me while he was waiting. There was an injury and he was taking a throw. And he, he just turned around and gave us all a clap. And it was really, it was, it was a very lovely moment. And you thought he's very in tune. And then at the very end, he came right up to all the supporters on his own, first of all, on his own, and gave his shirt to somebody in the front row. 
And then about three other Chelsea players using that as an opportunity came up. Mason Mount, uh, Saar did it as well. And um, uh, one other, I can't remember who it was, but it was, uh, um, you could see that the players were really appreciating the support, which was fabulous. It was fabulous support. Absolutely fabulous. And I, I, I loved the, I mean, you can forgive the going through the songbook when they're going through the songbook. You know, it's when you get people just shouting out, um, um, we hate Tottenham or stand up if you hate Tottenham. That's what I don't like. When they yeah. are specifically going, you know, right, it's one we've done Hasselbank, we've done Dennis Wise, um, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 Michael do Essien got a shout. Na, 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 Michael Essien, Essien, Michael Essien. They tried to give Trevor Cholabar, Cholabar that as well. La, 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 Trevor Cholabar, Cholabar. And that was done a bit mutedly. And people were saying, oh, God, can't we think of another song yeah, for him? Yeah. Come on. Well, it um, scans, if nothing else. No, indeed, indeed, that was, that was part of it. But, um, uh, you know, it was just, uh, and also, I think everybody was, very pleased that we were playing so well because we haven't been playing well yeah. recently. And, and it was a kind of relief that we were just pinging the ball about. Kovacic had a very good first half indeed. And it makes you realise how essential he is to the, the rhythm of the team. Um, so you, you had, uh, and then of course, when, when, the, when the, the, the better players came on, Mace came on and uh, Pulisic, Pulisic looked a bit better actually, looked more, looked more fluid and obviously got the penalty. Um, uh, and um, uh, and of course, Kante came on and was completely phenomenal. So and and that that was the final nail in the coffin for them. Well, I, I, uh, I've got a I've got a brilliant. Um, I mean, one of the advantages of not being there, of course, is that that you kind of know what else is going on around it. And I, I caught hold of a lovely tweet uh, from uh, not no lesser man, not Joe Tweets. He's been demoted. No lesser man than Henry Winter who I adore, I love Henry. Anyway, he said this, Tony. He said, N'Golo Kante should have been given man of the match even for just 14 minutes' work. He came on and changed the game. Kante has a hunger and dedication that inspires those around him. Pure class. Mm. Um, It's hard to argue with that, isn't it? Impossible Um, to argue with it because it's true. Well, yeah, um, and I have one... Big question mark over Kante. Um, and that is um, his increasing proneness to injury. I could have worded that better, I think, actually. He's increasingly injury prone, and that worries me. We don't seem to get more than two games out of him before he's sidelined again for whatever reason. And you know, whether Conor Gallagher is the, the, the person being lined up to come back and, and become understudy, or whether you know, they're going to chuck £100 million at West Ham and get Declan Rice, I don't know. When he's on, he's fabulous. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but you have, well, apart from one game, I think I saw this season, and I did criticise him on the last um, fan cast I was on, I think, and, and no, nobody came back at me, because I, I think we'd all said that, that he'd, and, and others had had a bad game, I can't remember which game it was now. Um, he's, he, do, do you remember um who was the England player that they used to say had a good engine? David Pratt. Yeah, remember? Yeah. Would just keep running and running and running. And he's got that about him, and he? He's got that kind of... Uh, <laughs> I wish I had a battery like that. That's all I could say. You know, I get up at eight o'clock and by half nine, I'm ready for a kip. <laughs> um, it, that's, that's the kind of batteries Tony, I've got, you know. Tony, I've got, do you think that Dennis Wise had that battery? I I did. I, um, I, I, yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. 
to the same extent as Kante. I mean, you know, this this, this whole uh, Kante twins thing, you know, that was no accident. I, th- I believe it was Leicester uh, who, who came, yeah, conjured it up in their in their title winning season. Yeah. But um, like I said, yes, he is world class. Everything Henry Winter says and, and everybody else is, is absolutely right about him. I mean, he was an absolute steal, um, you know, when we got him. Uh, and people that season, whilst they were raving on about Vardy and other players like that, you know, Kante had, had been the engine behind all of that. But I do have an ongoing concern about how many games we, we get out of him before he's sidelined again through more injuries, you know. I think as do they, um, Tony. I think they're worried about that as well. I think that was why he was worried about having to play him yeah. in this game for the for the 90 minutes. He wanted yeah. to... to to give him in, play him in spurts. Yeah. Uh, but I like the fact that he came on for 15 minutes and was really good because it makes you think, well, if that's how they're going to handle him and maybe cotton wool, if that's the case, maybe he, yeah, that's a fabulous yeah. player, yeah. But, you know, yeah. and, and I think we were saying the same about silver is you, you would be happy if, um, if both of them were, you know, he came on for very special games and yet yeah, well, there's, there's silver been playing out of his skin in every game. Yeah, I mean, wasn't, um, wasn't you know, I hate to mention them again, but Spurs had that kind of uh, talisman in, in Ledley King, King, didn't they? You yeah. know, whose knees were so shot to pieces, he could barely play train, let alone play two games in a week or whatever. And, and so they just used to play him every other week, I think, or save him up for the big games. And if that's how you, I guess, I guess for want of a better phrase, that's good husbandry of your players. Well, and I, I know, I do know that, you know, we're further down the line, we have got a, a, a section of managing the overload, but... Um, well, do you, do you think they are managing it well? I mean, it's a question I was going to ask you both, actually, because mm. I think it's an it's an unenviable position that Tuchel finds himself in, and I think that's the point. I think you were kind of making that point, J.K., weren't you? That I don't reckon that Tuchel would have picked him at all had we not been in the situation that we were in. I know. I think the fifteen minutes that he played yesterday were were to do with him coming back from that was him recovering. I because I in the press conference he said he wouldn't figure absolutely. Yeah figure and yet there he was um uh, not really busting a gut you know he didn't really have to make an enormous well it, it, he's, he's always makes the same level of effort so you can't really say can you you know there was one lovely bit actually jk i don't know if you would have seen this from where you were but um a ball kind of kind of whizzed across uh from what would have been our right to the left hand side in front of the in, you know just outside the penalty area yeah yeah kante was herring off to get it but he was standing next to Aspie and Aspie literally just grabbed him, put his arm in front of him and said, no, 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 I'm going to, I'll go for it. And he haired after it instead. Mm. Wow. Yeah. How I mean, I think. How interesting. Yeah. yeah we but, see that. When we talk about the overload thing, I think is a slightly more serious aspect to it at the moment than, and it isn't just impacting us. And I think there, there, there is a question mark, or there has to be a question mark over the Premier League's ask gravy bollocks about they only care about the health and safety of players and fans and all this sort of stuff whilst pushing through games when squads are so covid impacted that they have to put two goalkeepers on the bench like we did um last week was it um against wolves i think we had two keepers on the bench um and even then couldn't put a full complement of seven is it on the bench i think and you've now got a growing disparity in the number of games that teams will have played. Liverpool's off at the weekend. Um, I, I dare say there'll be one or two more cancellations. Man United haven't played for about two weeks, is it? At least. Yeah. And and, and my... Well, some would say they haven't played for about three years, mate. 
Yeah, well, yes. Um, uh, my concern is is that there's a, a disparity um, growing in the league, and that teams are being put at unfair disadvantage because of this policy of case by case or whatever. So you could end up with a team like United having four or five games in hand, Liverpool having three games in hand. And yes, their players would have been injured or COVID, but they would have still effectively not played and therefore have been kind of rested. Yeah, but see, I, I think I, I think you're thinking like I'm thinking, because I've been saying this for the last few weeks, that I think this goes to the heart of the integrity of the league. Yes. Because if you've got Liverpool or one of your competitors with three or four games in hand, they know what they have to do. Yes. And and I think that that's unfair. I mean, as it looks at at the moment, it looks like we'll probably get away without losing any games. Although, yeah. of course, Tony, we are, I think, going to m- lose two or three, aren't we? Because of the World Club Cup. So yes. that may swing yeah. it, swing it, it, it back it the other way. Do. I just think, uh, you know, I mean, when you, you talk about managing the game overload, for, for Tuchel, this is obviously new, right? This this whole Christmas thing, um this whole period of, of rounding games and that sort of stuff. And yes, it, you, when you sign up for a job, you kind of know about it. Knowing about it and experiencing it are two different things. And the last few interviews he's given, there's been some uh, a certain amount of what I call unwitting testimony that his gritted teeth comments are giving away. Okay. Um, uh, unlike Klopp, who's been very, very vocal. And very, very, and I and I like what he's been saying. I like the fact that he's defending his club, his players, and everything, and he's speaking out and saying this is fucking madness. Thomas Frank, I believe, did the, is that um, the Brentford guy in it? Um, yeah. yeah. He he did a similar thing, and I like the fact that they're doing it. I don't like the fact that the Premier League are doing. They're almost doing an FIA. Our decision's final. Well, go away, fuck off, sort of thing. And and I think that's one. I've never liked them. I've never liked authorities much in any way. So I think Tuchel's job of managing the overload has been very good. I, I may be, if I was being critical, I think maybe, you know, it, it, had he been a bit more outspoken, um, we might have got the Wolves game postponed. But um, my worry is that of a disparity between teams getting games postponed and other teams not. And then, like you said, the teams that have had their games postponed can look at it and go, oh, well, we've got four games. We only need to win three of them or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to... As, yeah. as a result of winning last night, we're we're back in the mire as far as that's concerned. So yeah. in January, we've got Liverpool in the Premier League, Spurs in the in the Caribou Cup, Chesterfield in the FA Cup, Spurs the second leg in the uh, Caribou Cup. Although there was talk on the radio this week yeah. about them maybe making it a one-leg match, but I don't That's know. That's right, yeah. That was that was coming from the likes of Klopp and yeah. Arteta again. And, uh, you know, saying that... Look, whilst the Premier League and the football authorities in this country may wear fixture congestion in a COVID pandemic as a badge of honour, no, no other league in Europe. No, that. I know. Well, that's so British, isn't it? Anyway, look, we've got Liverpool, Spurs, Chesterfield, Spurs again in the both in the Caribou Cup, then Man City in the Premier League, then Spurs in the Premier League. That's January. Yeah. Spurs three times. I mean, you know, we always say, can we play you every week, JK? It looks like we've got our wish. <laughs> well, it depends whether Conte's wound them up, doesn't it, into, uh, mm. into a cup-winning outfit. Um and it also depends who's fit for us. You know, I I, I don't think he's going to insert uh, Lukaku and the the COVID guys into the team against Villa 
um, just because they, ha they haven't played at all. Um, so I think they'll all come on as subs. I think it was worthwhile um, giving Kovacic a half because it makes you realise, as I say, how essential he is to the pattern um, with his uh, his thrusting ability to get out of um, out of trouble, surrounded by two players, and then put in a really decent pass. Um, we, there, we we did some fantastic moves last night. I was really impressed. It was just such a, a terrific all-round performance. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, the moment there seems to be a, a strange disparity, doesn't there, about the Premier League making decisions who 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 plays and who doesn't, which I I, I don't really understand. I don't. I mean, I I get that that. Well, they I, think, I think just to interject, sorry to butt yeah, in, but do, I do. think it's boiling down as to whether you shut your training ground down or not. If you shut your training ground down, then they, they basically say, well, that's it. You have to postpone it. And I think that's the trouble. That, that's what we didn't do. We didn't shut the training ground down. Man United did. Leeds have. So, you know, anyway, who knows? It's all a mystery, isn't it, really? But um, we've got a very heavy fixture list coming up and winning the, the quarterfinal last night has added to that. Um, but we can't be unhappy about playing Spurs, surely. I mean, I, I wondered. Uh, the impression I got at the press conference was that he didn't really mind if we if we didn't play anymore. That we were we were knocked out because I think he felt that um, we had too many fixtures. So um, I don't think he would have. So I was intrigued when he when he brought on the big guns. I forgot to mention Reese James. He's a winner, mate. Yeah, he can't couldn't help himself. No, no. He couldn't. Nil nearly thought if it had I think gone out for three nil or two nil, he probably wouldn't have brought them on. I think he would have just accepted mm. it. But the fact that it was nil-nil and we were playing very well, I think he thought, OK, let's win it. Yeah, well, there you but, go. Bring on the Don. Bring on Conte. And, I mean, what I would say about Spurs, I thought they, whilst they, they knocked out West Ham last night, I thought West Ham were the better side. And it was just delightful to see um, Eric Dyer, who uh, Conte said he could make into one of the best centre-backs in the world, still playing like Eric Dyer. It was a joy. Uh, anyway, uh, while I let you all ponder on that wonderful uh, Eric Dyer moment... Um, we're going to have a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to be speaking to Justin Hawthorne from the uh, Up The Villa podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. 
I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast Thursday night preview show. Not Friday night, Thursday night preview show. With me, Stanford Chidge, him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Boop. And the uh, the munificent Mr. Tony Glover. Bienvenue, welcome on, or whatever it is. Bonsoir. There you go. Tony's on fire, as always. Uh, now, it's time for this. The Opposition View. That's right. Uh, this week's Opposition View. I have to say, I'm delighted to say, welcome back, in fact, to Justin Hawthorne from the Up The Villa podcast, who came on earlier in the season and was brilliant. So it's always lovely to have people back who are brilliant. And you were very much brilliant, uh, Justin. So good to see you again. Absolute pleasure to be back, chaps. Uh, I think actually most of the chaps after you went said, God, he was good, wasn't he? He really knows he's an old, old school, knows his football. They, they, we, say, we love all that, you see. So old, you just old, not well, old school. Just old. <laughs> no, no, no. I think no, we, we can all say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can all say that, but there you go. You're not monopolising the word old, dear. No, I'll tell you. definitely not. <laughs> Now, um, I joked about it a minute ago when we were off air because you've got, uh, I can see that behind you, you've got a cardboard cutout of, uh, of Stevie G behind you, your new manager. Now, what, what, tell me, in, you know, from a Villa fan's point of view, what you think Gerard's impact has been on Villa as manager so far? I think he's had a fantastic impact, to be honest. Uh, came in, uh, as always, with new managers that generally come in uh, when things are going badly wrong. And unfortunately, Dean Smith, it went very badly wrong for him. Uh, we all, I think we all, well, Villa fans know the, uh, the the love affair we had with Dean Smith as he is a Villa fan. Um, and it was a real shame to see what happened to him happen, to be honest. You know, we, uh, we've had one or two rocky moments in his tenure at Villa, but this one, I think, was one too many and five defeats in a row for anybody in the Premier League. Generally, uh, you know, you know what's happening next, don't you? When this kind of things happen, I think with our owners as well, who want to push on, uh, I think it was probably. I don't think it was the right. Well, I think it probably was the right time for him to go. I think we was all very disappointed when he went, but I think overall, I think his time was probably done. He's had a good three years with us, and then obviously the focus turns to who's next, and, and we moved very, very swiftly to get Stephen Gerrard in. I think that was the personal thing. I think. Uh, I don't know if I should mention his name with you lot being Chelsea fans. But, he, was, uh, he was all right for us, actually. So I've got no axe to grind with him. No, that's fair enough because a lot of we hear a lot as Villa fans that per se he's hated by Chelsea, he's hated by Liverpool, he's hated by you know everybody. But I've always found him, he speaks very well. I don't know him personally, so that's all you can go on. Uh, but he definitely had got a, a thing for Stephen Gerrard, as it turned out, and, and he went for him and, and it, it, it was all resolved and done very, very quickly. So I think Stevie Gerrard obviously fancied it. Uh, we fancied him and uh, I think he's come together and it's been a fantastic so far in the short time he's been here in the six games he's been here I think he's been a breath of fresh air I think he's uh, 
a really good appointment. Um, hopefully things can just keep improving for us. But uh, he's got a lot on his plate at the moment with everything going on. But um, four wins out of six is a very good start. Justin, has he brought anybody to the fore that you think wasn't playing well under Smith, who's, uh, who's suddenly got a lease of life under Gerrard? Not, 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 not really. I think um, what he's done is he's got the squad. I think what happened with the squad at the end of, of, of um, my opinion was at the end of Smith's reign was I don't think he ever lost the dressing room. I think what happened was they lost faith in how he went about games. I think that's what happened. Uh, I know quite a few people that know players and young players because we've had a lot of young players playing this season. And uh, they're, from within the dressing room, what I've been told is, is they all really liked Dean Smith right up to the end. I think what happened was they sort of lost faith with how he, he went about games and the way he, he sort of managed games and, and things like that. So I think that's what happened with him. And Gerard hasn't had to do a lot. I think he said that a couple of three times in his pre-match press conferences that there's not a lot broken at Villa. We've got a really good squad of players. Um, you know, we are comfortably a mid-table team now looking to progress. And I think he obviously knew that from the outside looking in uh, that we've got a lot of good players. And it, there just wasn't, we wasn't getting the best out of them, basically, which is generally what happens when you lose a manager. They're just, they're not getting the best out of the squad. Um, and, and he has basically got the best out of the squad. You know, he hasn't had a lot of time to work with them, but we had an instant reaction uh, in these first couple of games. We've had two really tough games in those six with the Man City and the Liverpool games. But even in those games, I don't think we were outclassed in either of them. Um, we, we struggled in the first half against Liverpool, but you know, going to Anfield when they're on it is a very difficult place to, to go for a for a team like us. Uh, but the second half we did really well, and we you know we could have nicked something. And I think the same with the City game. I think we you know we were a little bit overawed in the first half, but once we got to grips with it, the second half in both those games we we did really well, which you would say is a manager impact, isn't it? Because half time you know that's when the manager gets to do his work, and that's. Mm sort of what we saw, you know, we saw a reaction in both games. So, yeah, I think overall, I don't think he's he's really messed too much with what was there before. I think he's tweaked it a bit and he's just tried to engage with the players and he's tried to motivate them and, and get them playing. And that's what's happened so far. It's been, it's been a breath of fresh air and lovely to see. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the, what you said there about that they hadn't turned on Dean Smith. They merely just lost faith, and I always think, you know, after three years in charge of the squad, I think we've seen that enough at Chelsea, when, you know, you've probably got an equal number of conspiracy theorists in your Twitter fan base for Villa as we have, <laughs> who will then talk about, who will talk about dressing room clicks, and player power. And in our case, it was, you know, alleged approaches to the owner in order to get managers out. And I, I don't, I've never really gone down that road. I've always thought it was more, you know, especially like with Frank Lampard, potentially Conti as well, that, that the players just kind of lost their belief in what he was, that manager was trying to say to them. And then when you see the, you, and I know they've got their own social media marketing teams behind them or whatever. <laughs> But when they come out with what looks like genuine, you know, you're a great boss, that sort of stuff afterwards, it makes you think that it's more of a, a loss of faith than a falling out or some weird conspiracy theory. And I think at Chelsea, we've seen that so many times now. Um, and, it, you know, look for the simplest solution, which is generally that people just go, I'm not listening to you anymore. Not, I don't like you or don't like your style or whatever. No, I, I think definitely. I think... Um... <laughs> 
Smith Smith came in. I won't harp too much on about Dean Smith, but he came in at a very difficult time in our in our history, really, and uh, he turned this around very quickly. Promotion within six months, which is what his remit was. I think it was within eighteen months, but he did it in his first season. And then it was to keep us up, which he did, and then it was to progress us, which he did again. Um, I always felt uh, personally that once we went backwards. Uh, that that would be a very difficult time for him yeah. because of our owners and because of the way they want to push us up into the higher sort of echelons, if you like, in the Premier League. He was always going to be under massive pressure if a, a run of results, if he looked like he couldn't get out of a really bad run of results. And when you lose one, I mean, we lost a, a horrific home game against Wolves, who was 2 0 up with 10 minutes to go. And it's bad enough losing any game in those circumstances, but to lose to your local rivals. With three goals in the last ten minutes was was pretty um, pretty poor, and then followed it up with another two or three losses, and I think the writing was on the wall then. Yeah, would have been after that. I, I can concur with that. Um, so with Gerard in in in, in situ now, uh, Justin, and and doing quite well, as you said, four four wins out of six, and uh, you know the two he lost were against Liverpool and City, and actually I thought you played pretty well, and they you you didn't get hammered by any any means at all in no. both those games so so what are, what are your expectations for the season now they're, they're no different really to my expectations at the start of the season under Dean Smith I, I you know we finished 11th last year and my hope was that we could progress and finish higher than that uh, it was looking very dodgy at one point but obviously even with the manager change I think there's no reason one can't finish higher than that and I, and I probably now expect us to finish higher than that now I think outside of the top three it's open season. I mean, Arsenal have been pretty woeful. Uh, they they have turned the corner a little bit, but you know they've somehow got into that top four now. And which is, I look at their side. I think, well, if they can do it, then I'm sure we could. Um, it relies on having a very good run of form. But four wins out of six, if you can replicate that two or three more times, then you're not going to be far away. You know, there's not a massive gap between fourth and tenth, really, points wise. And I look at all those clubs and I see them as much of a muchness, really. And it's just about consistency and form, isn't it? If you can get a run of form together, get some wins under your belt and get momentum going, then there's no reason why we can't finish in the top. I'm going to say push for Europe. So by, by that, I suppose you mean sixth, seventh and eighth. So if we're anywhere around that, I think I'll be over the moon. And that was what I was hoping for at the start of the season. And given the turmoil and the change of manager, I think to be even talking about that still shows really what, what the effect Gerard has had. Yeah, I think finishing above Wolves would probably rank quite highly, wouldn't it, Justin? Yeah, that'll do for a start. Yeah, we'll <laughs> tick that one off, yeah. Absolutely. Who actually, I have to say, I mean, they, they were really odd when we played them. I mean, with a, I mean, a, I mean, ridiculously depleted team. I, mean, I know every. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about that, actually. But from what I've read, most of the opposition su- uh, supporters have been saying, "What the hell are we complaining about? We've got this massively deep squad." Blah 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 blah. But I'm telling you, as a Chelsea fan, none of us would have picked uh, Saul or Barkley to start against Wolves. Or I don't know. Don't even know if Barkley did actually. J.K. Did he? Um, I think he came on. Didn't yeah, you? but that would that is no way near our, our first team. That's for sure. And Wolves well, fun- are. Re- sorry, go on. Funnily, sorry, uh, I was on our local radio station last night talking to. Um, I, I found I've talked to a lot, get on a lot, talk to them, and, and the chap who, who hosts it is a big Wolves fan, and he was a little bit um, not too happy with the comments coming out of the Chelsea side after that game, and his point of view was that seven out of that eleven, I haven't looked at this, are all all started in the Champions League final, and you had 150 million pounds. This was his word, not mine, and 150 million pounds worth of talent on the bench. So. I think there's a lot of clubs in our division that, that given the depleted squad, would would love to put that kind of thing 
those teams out. But I totally get your point that that obviously, you know, I think Saul played against us, didn't he? And he got dragged off at half time, I yeah. think, in the cup cup game. And I don't think many Chelsea fans were pretty complimentary about him. Barkley's obviously been a bit of a nightmare. We know all about Ross Barkley. So yeah. I, I do see what you're saying. To have those players in the team, you probably wouldn't get anywhere near them, would they? you know, under normal circumstances. But you still have got a decent squad, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue really, I mean, he's he's not wrong. Um, I mean, if I just remind the boys of the team that we started against Wolves, Mendy, Rudiger, Silva, Aspilicueta, James Kante, Chalobah, Alonso, Ziyech, Mount and Pulisic. And, you, and you're right, most of those did start the Champions League final. But the, yeah, but, the but, hang on, I'm, I'm going to get there. The interesting point is, of course, is that Kante is on one leg at the moment. Chaloba's not, he, you know, we didn't have Jorginho. He was trying to play this Jorginho role. He's, that's not the role he plays. Alonso, yeah. you know, is not the player he was, and he didn't start the Champions League final because of that. Um, Ziyech has been hit and miss. Pulisic has been hit and miss. So it's, I think the the, the reality is it's not black and white, is it? It's nuanced. No, no. You of course know. it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally get your point. We, we all know as fans, and we watch our team week in, week out, that we know the players that, that we would like to see turn out every week. And, and when you do get instances like we're having now, I mean, you know, we have to call that game off. Two hours for kickoff on, against Burnley because of the COVID situation. We were two, two or three players missing against Norwich. Um, so yeah, it's a very, very difficult trying situation for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's two games called off already for Boxing Day, and I think mm-hmm. I can only see that getting worse. To be honest, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, go, on. go finish your point. Go on. No, go on. Go on. Well, I was just going to say. I mean, because we talk, we are. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about, aren't we? It's the whole COVID shambles and how it's affecting everybody. And of course, I, I remember, you know, two hours before kickoff, you called it off. So. Clearly, COVID was running rife through the Villa camp. So, how, how are things now? I mean, is 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 the game in jeopardy um, at all? Well, we we had two players. Obviously, the the way they do it now is they don't announce who's got COVID. Do no, they? They just no. they just announce that um, we haven't got enough players to to play, so we can't play the game. Uh, so we had two missing against Norwich. Uh, we had two other players that were injured. So we, we sort of roughly try to work out who was who, but it's very difficult. We then go into Burnley where they are doing lateral flows every day. And then Gerard told everybody that they are now doing PCRs three or four times a week on top of the lateral flows. Uh, they were waiting for the results to come in and they came in at 10 o'clock on the Saturday morning. They then had to inform the Premier League who then, for some godforsaken reason, took two and a half hours to, to, to make a decision and then, you know, only calling the game off at half 12. I had a good friend of mine who had travelled up from London with his son and his father for, a, for his son's first ever game, 50 minutes away from Villa Park, having to turn around. So it's it's a, it's not a good situation. I don't think it was handled well by the Premier League. I don't think the government have handled it very well, but we won't get into politics on this one. Um, but I think it leaves the clubs um, high and dry, in my opinion. I think it leaves them you know, open to a lot of criticism, which is unfair, really, because all they can do is test and they can, all they can do is react to those tests when they come in. You can only test once a day. You can't test three, four, five times a day. So they have to react to those test results coming in. And that's what happened. And we, we had no other choice than to call it off. Now, since that point, I think the BFA or the Premier League have made a call now where if you've got 14 players, you have to play the game. So we are also in a bit of a bad situation because they're now classing anybody that's played a first-team game as the first team as good enough to play in the Premier League. So we had a game earlier in the season against Barrow in the League Cup where we bloodied about six or seven young kids who have never played before and haven't played since. And by all accounts, they're now classed as Premier League footballers. So 
it could be a very interesting situation on Sunday if we haven't got a lot of our first teamers playing. So, do, do you think that's uh, likely that you'll have a, quite a few first teamers out? Uh, I, I honestly haven't got yeah. a clue. Um, all we can go on is, is um, social media, and, and a lot of our players I follow, um, and a lot of them were out yesterday Christmas shopping. So I can only presume that they're not haven't got COVID, otherwise they they wouldn't be out and about. So I don't know. I think Gerard said that yesterday, as it stands now, or yes, uh, yesterday when the press conference was, we, we've got enough players to play. And unless that dramatically changes in the next 48 hours, then I presume we will. Uh, as far as you go, I think you'll have quite a few back, won't you? I think Lukaku's back. Yeah, so I gather. Um, JK, you, you up to no, speed on that? Was that? The point being that he, was, he wasn't playing him because he was injured. You right. know, he's not going to play him for 90 minutes because he, he, he was just trying to ease him back in. It was the same with Kante. He didn't want Kante to play at all against Wolves, but he, in order just to fill the position, he, he got him to play. The, the dilemma is, is that, is that you're, it's the integrity of the team that is being Exactly, played. exactly. You know? But don't you think it, that the knock-on effect of this making your teams play, now we've got a game on Sunday against yourselves. We're supposed to play again on Tuesday night, Leeds away, who have had their game called off on Sunday. Yeah. Now let's say both of those games go ahead. We've got a very reduced squad. We can just about put the squad out to play both them games. Yeah. You're then relying on playing players twice in 48, 72 hours. So you're then putting pressure on the players getting injured then on top of COVID, on top of the pressures and everything they've got. You could end up losing three or four players to long-term injuries because of the pressure of playing two games. Normally, you'd have a, a reasonable size squad. We've roughly got two players for every position. Gerard already said before Christmas that we'd be utilising the full squad. That's now taken out of his hands. He's not allowed to do that because he's basically just got to, as long as we've got 14, we have to play against Chelsea. And as long as we've got 14 against... Leeds, we have to play against Leeds, so yeah. it's just a, a really, really poor situation. But I don't really, unless you cancel it all again, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, this was Tuchel's argument, wasn't it? Yeah, you? totally. This was his, he felt that um, all right, they'd get players out. And he felt we were being judged in a in a in a um, from a completely wrong angle, right? Because they're just saying in the same way, well, you've got all these players available, they should play, and they're not taking into consideration injuries long term. No. The injuries that could result as a consequence because he was so worried about Kante. He's one of possibly the best player in the whole squad, you know, one of the best players in the world. Come back from injury, no desire for him to play. He didn't even want him to play, I think, 15 minutes against Wolves, but had to play the 90. And he, he, he said, so he actually, was worried about it after. So he thought they, they hoped oh, that they hadn't done him any damage, absolutely, because he got injured at the end, didn't yeah. he? With, when well, Cody, Cody stamped on his foot, Cody stamped on him, and of course, there was no VAR. And when you watch it back, you realize it was a penalty. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me. <laughs> forgive my... Don't, don't wind him up. Don't we'll wind be, him up. We'll be here all night. If don't mention, yeah, don't well. mention the VAR. Jonathan will explode. Um, well, go, go on, Justin. You are right. You are right. It, it, it then calls the, the integrity yeah. of the whole league into account then because, yeah. you know, you're going for the title. We want to try and get to Europe. Well, it's not the end of the world. We're going to be around mid-table, so it's not going to have a huge impact on us. You wouldn't think either way. Uh, but teams that are going for the league title, teams that are in the relegation cases, these points that they could possibly be missing through missing players could mean could, could mean winning, losing the title yeah. or getting relegated. So well, the relegation, huge amounts of money involved. Yeah, yeah. I know the parachute payments are there, but it, it's desperate to get out of that division. Well, I, I made this point on our podcast on the other night. There's a bigger issue at stake here in, in English football and world football is they are shoehorning so many competitions into a season. You haven't just got Premier League. You haven't just got the League Cup, the FA Cup. You've got Champions League. 
Europa League. You've now got this other daft Europa League, European <laughs> thing, the Conference League. You've then got international football with European Championships, World Cups. You've got this Nations League, which is ridiculous. They still insist on playing friendlies all over the place, which is ridiculous. And now you've got FIFA saying we're going to have a World Cup every two years. So it leaves zero room for any kind of manoeuvrability if you do have i know this covid thing is a ridiculous it's just something that was never you, you wouldn't think would ever happen but it doesn't leave any kind of leeway for any kind of problems that could occur during a season to, to, to maybe try and rest teams or you know a lot, a lot of european um countries have have, have winter breaks don't they have to give the players a break well, and to try well, scotland's, and reset scotland's, scotland's got a three-week break coming up they've brought it forward haven't they yeah because of covid i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i think I, I, I think before you came on, Justin, we, I, I made the point about, you know, I'm I'm quite vehemently anti-football authorities in general anyway. Um, but it, they, it, as you said, it's the integrity of the league. It's the fact that some teams might find themselves with three or four games in hand because they've had to cancel games or postpone them and then come back with a fully fit squad and know what they've got to do. And that, that in itself, and Chid, you said the same thing, didn't you? That, it, it, that in itself can be an advantage to it. And I think I, I think in this particular case, with everything that's going on, a two-week circuit break for, the, for all the clubs, as it was now, wouldn't have been a bad thing. They could have... But they, but they can't because of literally the amount yeah. of games. I mean, you've got the World Cup in, in the winter next year, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we had a case... six weeks, six weeks of the league. Yeah, yeah. Or six yeah. weeks. Well, and, and you've got African Nations Cup, you've got mm. all these things. I mean, last season with the, the COVID outbreak, we had a ridiculous um, thing happen where we had 10 games left and we hadn't played Everton or Chelsea once. So we had to play four games against teams that we hadn't played at all. So, you know, I, I don't know the answer. I really don't no. know the answer because there, it's such a horrible situation. It is. I mean, the COVID angle makes it kind of unprecedented, but it kind of covers up the underlying problem, which is that there are just too many bloody games. You know, yep. when, when you factor in everything. And I mean, it, to compound it, actually, Justin, of course, we've got the Club World Cup in February. So we've, exactly. got, to, we've got to go out to Abu Dhabi and we, play a couple of games there. Well, you've got, I mean, you're in a position where we want to get to. We were aspiring to be in a position you're in, the top four, where you, you as a squad and as a club, have got basically a, a, a full squad full of players. They're all internationals. So they all play for their countries. So they all play in every single game. So you, you have to carry a squad of, you know, two players, almost three players in every position just to be able to get through a domestic season now and, and to carry enough players good enough to, to so you're not losing out on quality if you haven't replaced these players. It's, it's, just, it's almost impossible to, to do. For us to aspire to that, I don't know how we get from where we are to, to, to the top oh. four team and compete as well regularly. Sadly, it's a lot of money or a lot of very good, uh, you know, good academy setup. I think. And I mean, what, what you're finding now at Chelsea is that actually for once we're, we're getting this balance between, you know, obviously we have a lot of money so we can buy really good players and a lot of them. But we've also got a lot of really good kids that are actually not only coming through, but they're getting a chance. I mean, we had three play last night, none of whom disgraced themselves. Anyway, Justin, talking of players, uh, you know, who, who are your form players at the moment? I know I know Watkins has been on fire since Gerard Turner. He's got scored something like four goals, is it, he scored? Yep. Yeah. So, yep. you know, who else is in form for you at the moment? I, I think I wouldn't really say anybody's on fire. I think Watkins is playing well. John McGinn's uh, fantastic. Mings is... Scottish in, Player of the Year, isn't he? Scottish Player of the Year, just announced today, which is fantastic. Um, 
uh, Martinez, fantastic in goal. Um, Mings has cut, seems to have cut out all the, the little mistakes he was making under Dean Smith. Um, I don't know. It, 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 it is Cash. for me. Matty Cash. Matty Cash, fantastic. My yeah. He's my favourite Villa player. Yes, Every time I watch him, never stops running. No. Never stops. Loves the tackle as well. Gets yeah. the crowd on the side. Horrible tackler. Horrible. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. He, you'd he, love him like, to play um, for you. You'd love him to play for you. It's like a right-footed uh, Stuart Pearce. He just flies through anything that's anywhere near him. Um, yeah. To be honest, as, as I say, for me, there isn't anybody that's suddenly gone, wow, where's he come from? He's improved most of our players. Um, their, their, their levels have gone back up to, to probably where they were under Dean Smith during his best times at Villa, which is all we want, really. You know, we, we lost the uh, the golden child last summer to uh, to Man City, but we're not going to talk about that because that's really, <laughs> really annoying. Um, you talked about that last time and we sympathise. Yeah. I mean, I could talk for an hour on that one. Does, does, um, hasn't, he, hasn't he kind of been benched for being a naughty boy again? I just think he's made the biggest mistake yeah. of his career and it sounded like a, a sour grapes when he left, but I thought it was very, very... Weird call for them to sign him when they didn't need him, uh, and, a pl- and to go from what he was at the Villa, captain of your boyhood club, playing every week to sitting on the bench all the time. But that's not for me to say. We had a hundred million pound from him, so he's a, fantastic. He's a fabulous player. Fabulous player. He is when he's playing regularly. Yeah, the problem yeah. with Jack is he has to play week in week out yeah. to get his levels up, yeah. and he's not getting that now. Justin, you will be buying him back in about a year or two for about 30, 30 to 50 million. You watch. I think there's no doubt about that. He will, he will one day pull the shirt on again, which will divide, divide our, our fans straight down the middle, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you see it going uh, on Sunday? I mean, it, it's an impossible question to ask because if you ask the same question to me, I say, well, I've got no bloody idea because I don't know what team yeah. he's going to put out, but I have to ask it. Yeah, I think it had had been there been no problems with it with COVID. Um, I would have fancied us to give you a game. I really would. Uh, I think I said that last time. If you ever watch our podcast, I fancy us to beat everyone. To be fair, because I'm just that. That's how <laughs> so I, I, I roll. So yeah. You have to. You have to. You can't possibly be negative. You thank can't. you. Thank you. That's my point of view. I get so yeah. much abuse from everyone saying that you just predict the win every week. But my point of view is, I'm a Villa fan. I I believe we can beat anybody yeah. on our yeah. day. So why would I spend all week? hypothesising about losing the game. I just wouldn't. If it happens, it happens. I'll deal with it then. But I I, I would have been confident giving you a really good game, like we did against City, like we did against Liverpool. Uh, I don't think you're quite on the form that they are both on currently. I actually predicted you to win the the league. I think I told you that last time at the start of the season. Um, I think you've got to pick your ideas up a little bit if you want to do that. Uh, It's still obviously there for you. Um, But... I don't know. I mean, we could have a, kid, a team full of kids playing. So, you know, it's going to be very tough. If, if you've got a few back, your squad is obviously a lot deeper than ours and got better quality uh, off the bench. So if we are struggling, then we get, we might struggle on Sunday. But I'm going to be optimistic and say whatever team we put out, you know, hopefully you've got a few missing if we have. So at least it would even the, the game out a little bit. Well, yeah, exactly that. And, and I mean, you know, Everton had loads of kids and we struggled struggled against them. Uh, Leeds had loads of injuries and, you know, we were lucky to get away with a win in that. Um, you know, we've, what... got some, we've got some very good young kids coming through. I mean, Jacob Ramsey, I don't know if you saw his goal against uh, Norwich last week. Fantastic. Uh, Chuck Maker, another young kid who's, who's we're trying to tower down to a long-term contract because all the big European clubs are circling around him. 
Uh, got Cameron Archer, who scored against you in the League Cup game, I think, at your place, which was a fantastic header from a young kid. Yeah, um, yeah really, really good young striker. Um, we've got a lot of good young players coming through, and it looks like we might, we're going to need them in the next couple of games. So it'll be very interesting. Final question. So, Final. Sorry, JK, go ahead. I can, has, I can has wait. Danny Ings, has Danny Ings been, uh, been playing? No, he's back fit again now. He's had a couple of uh, two, three games out injured, but... Uh, He's back fit and he's firing as providing COVID-free. I would imagine he'll be uh, in the mix on Sunday. Another good player. I really like him. Right. Final question, because this is kind of a bit esoteric, really. But a lot of a lot of supporters I know, Chelsea supporters I know, have kind of often been under the um, impression that, that Villa away is a bit of a bogey match for us. Oh, you know, always... The, the reality of this is completely wrong, by the way. I mean, if I, I mean, I go back to 2012, right? Uh, we've only lost twice. We lost last year in the last match of the season, which was a bit after the Lord Mayor's show, I think. Uh, and we lost one nil to you in 2014 in a game that I completely don't remember. But other than that, we've we've won it, won, won you know every one of the other one, two, three, four, five games. So that would tell me that it's not as much of a bogey match as we might think. But what is it like from your perspective, Justin? Um, from personally, from my point of view, I've never feared Chelsea as much as I've feared the other teams uh, in and around the top of the division. That's not dismissing you as a club, or you know, you're a fantastic club. You've got some unbelievable players, but I don't know what it is about Chelsea. I just, I, I fancy, I fancy us. Yeah. I just fancy it. Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no probably common sense to that answer to be honest but you just look at some teams and you just think oh you know I fancy, I fancy us against them and generally like you say we don't do very good against <laughs> you at home so perhaps I'm, uh, I need to have another look but, at I mean, but my, that, uh... that proves my point absolutely your perspective is yeah we'll have a bit of that we fancy that yeah. mine is oh shit we've got Villa away Ooh, we never do well up there yeah. The reality is it doesn't bear that out at all. We lost well, do, two do you, and seven. You not find that with, with you have bogey teams, you have teams that you just don't. You just yeah. think oh, I don't. I don't like them. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. They're probably a really nice club and they've got some great <laughs> yeah. players. You just think I just don't like them at all. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just it's the it's the quirky nature of football. It is, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. Let, let's uh, go on and stick stick a stick a flag to your, your flagpole or whatever. Give us a score prediction. I'm going to go for a two-one Villa win. Okay, I knew you would somehow. I just knew you Boxing would. Boxing Day, Bonanza at Villa Park. <laughs> Fair enough. Justin, as always, it's been an absolute delight to speak to you. And I, I, and I love the uh, the little kind of diversion we went into the whole kind of state of the game and all of that. That was really interesting. Um, obviously, I wish you absolutely no luck uh, for Boxing Day, but I do wish you <laughs> luck for the rest of the season. You know, whatever anybody as a chess sport thinks of Villa, they're a big club and we need big clubs in the Premier League. So, you know, long may that continue because... Uh, that's what it's all about, I think. But uh, apart from that, have a great Christmas and New Year. Yes, and, have a great Christmas. And we won't get great. to speak to you unless we meet you in the Cup, of course. If we meet you in the Cup, we'll have you back on like a shot. But otherwise, you'll ho- hopefully we'll speak to you next season. Thanks ever so much for asking me to come on, chaps. And again, I wish you all a very happy Christmas and happy New Year and, and stay safe. And uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to you all again whenever. Uh, always welcome well, Justin pleasure. always welcome great stuff there we go it's Justin oh by the way before I go Justin Hawthorne is from the Up the Villa podcast and you can find him on Twitter because he's a good lad he's, he's always worth a chat with <laughs> at Justin underscore AVFC underscore and you can find their podcast uh, at UTV podcast underscore you're a fan of underscores uh, Justin I see we love the underscore yeah I think everything was taken so you have to throw an underscore in there <laughs> <to get it. laughs> brilliant stuff Justin as I said have a great Christmas and New Year and hopefully we'll speak to you next season if not before
Thanks, chaps. All the best. Cheers, Justin. Right, we'll be back in a minute to uh, to bore you senseless with our own preview of the uh, the Villa Chelsea game. So don't go away. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge, and uh, as ever, I have the delightful Mr. Kidd with us, Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show. Uh, and uh, matched almost in every way by the uh, fantastic Tony Glover, who we don't see enough of, I have to say. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I can't answer that. I, I'm I'm retired from from work, and, and I don't have a single minute of the day to myself. So there we go. Maybe I shouldn't ration this out as much as I do. But it's a squad mm. game, Tony. You know that. I have That's to keep you all game, fit. Have to keep you all fit and hungry, mate. That's how I manage it. Mate. So there you go. Absolutely. There we go. Now, we just heard from the uh, lovely uh, um, Justin Hawthorne from the Up the Villa podcast uh, about the uh, Villa game. In a minute, we're going to talk about our preview of the Villa-Chelsea game. But before we do that, there is a Christmas-ish football prizes competition. Uh, There is, in fact, a winner's choice competition on at football underscore prizes this week. Um, And I think that kind of it's all very confusing. If you go on the website, you look at it and it's like you can win a Chelsea thing or you can win, weirdly this week, a Spurs thing. So just ignore the Spurs thing. Go and buy a ticket to win the Chelsea thing. And the Chelsea thing is it's three signed and framed montages featuring uh, one of Thomas Tuchel, one of Matteo Kovacic and one of Eduard Mendy. Um, and it, they look lovely. And uh, this is a cheap one for them. It's three ninety five per ticket, so a little bit less than it normally is. So you can buy one or as many as you like for the draw at footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Chelsea hyphen city. So maybe it's a city uh, combo. So I got that all wrong. But don't worry about that. As I said, it's the Chelsea one you're interested in. Now, the draw ends at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday, the 29th of December. So do not delay or or... You know, get a bit just because it's Christmas. Don't let that get in the way. Get on there now and buy a few tickets, and you can win yourself one of those. They're great. Right, Brentford versus Chelsea. No, Brentford versus Chelsea. I've done my usual trick of not actually bothering to update the script, but you know me, old habits die hard. J.K. I mean, you know, where do we start with this? Well, we start with the team selection, of course. But where on earth do we start with that? Shall I tell you what I've gone for in my Moment yes, of clarity please. today. I love this moment. I, love I know you do. I know you do. These little blue flares that you've got up here. Well, I've tried to base it on on who I who who he said he that might might be not you know basically who hasn't got COVID. <laughs> so I'm going for Mendy in goal, Rudiger, Silva, Chaloba, then Alonso who picks himself at the moment, Kovacic, Jorginho, James, and then up front uh, Mount Pulisic, and I think. He's, he kind of said that Lukaku and Hudson-Odoi uh, have tested negative, so they, they're back in training. Uh, and he also said Havertz was available. So I think he'll go Havertz up front, not Lukaku. And I think taking on board what you said, because I don't think Havertz had COVID again, really. I don't think he did. I think he was just ill. So uh, I think you're, you know what you were saying earlier on, that he won't put people who've just had COVID straight back in if he can avoid it. So that would apply to Hudson-Odoi and Lukaku. So that's why I've gone for Havertz. 
I think it's partly because they haven't been training. I don't think he wants to put people in who haven't been training. Well, nor, nor is Havertz, so maybe he won't start him either. Indeed, he may not. But he may you see, not. who else does he play? That means he has to play Barkley because I don't think Ziyech has got over his knock yet. No, indeed. Indeed. So we could, um, have, could have a false number nine in Pulisic and Barkley and Mount behind him, if that's the case. Yeah. It'll God. be the, the false number nine will be Pulisic, absolutely, definitely. Because this will be the third time he's played there. Um, but yeah, with Mount and uh, uh, and and very possibly Saul rather than than Barkley, because Saul spent the whole of the second half playing uh, on the left hand side up, up front, because um, uh, Jorginho took his position in the middle of midfield. So uh, you you might have him because he 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 even played well in in the second half. Saul in that position, even though it wasn't his best position. Um, and he just looked so much more confident, uh, especially in the first half where he was outstanding. Um, as I say, that 40 yard pass he delivered to Alonso was uh, and Alonso brought it down brilliantly. It was just absolutely fantastic. You know, the thing that, that worries me about Saul is not not what has been worrying me about Saul, oddly, because I agree with all of you, actually. I think he was excellent against Brentford and I thought he was actually really good uh, against Wolves uh, as well, actually. But of course, the two things in common with that were that we were playing sides who were defending deep with five men in yes. you know five man yes. defence who weren't interested at all in aggressively pressing and harrying our midfield. Yes. So I mean, and do you know what? It reminds me of the number of times we used to talk about Jorginho in the same way. Well, Jorginho is fantastic when he doesn't have anybody or two players up his ass every five seconds because yes. he gets the time on the ball to dictate the play, which is what he's really good at. The minute you have any typical English players getting up his jacksie and hacking him and pressing him and pressurising him, physically he falls apart and he looks like a liability. And I think you could say exactly the same about Sol. Remember, it was his first game for us when he played against Villa at home and he was pulled off at half-time because he couldn't cope with that. He couldn't cope with it. Well, I suppose also it, ho- it helps if Kovacic's playing, Kovacic is playing. I think it takes the pressure off whoever is playing with him in midfield. So whether that's helpful if um, if Saul is playing behind Havertz and Mount, sorry, behind Pulisic and Mount is another thing, isn't it? I just think he, he keeps playing out of position and it's clear that he is, as you say, Chidge, if, he, if that's how he played in Spain all the time with lots of the opposition all um, not doing any pressing and just sitting back, no wonder he came across as being a really class player. But it, it, he, he clearly is a, a very competent player. He's just got to deal with the constant pressure that, that, that some of these teams can apply. Um, I think for some of them, it's just a huge learning curve. And I think Silva, if you remember, played against Barnsley, who did nothing but press, and he just could not deal with this at all. And I, I th- um, uh, not Silva, I'm talking, I'm sorry, Zayek was playing against uh, Barnsley. He couldn't cope at all. And I think Zayek has, has made a lot of progress. Uh, but Zayek's still injured, isn't he? Isn't he at the moment? He's yeah, I think knock. he is. Yeah, I yes, think he is. Yeah, yeah. 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 no, but yeah. it was interesting um, speaking to Justin about how they were all objecting, saying he had Wolves friends who were objecting to Chelsea's view because everybody on the bench was an international. And you wonder whether, in fact, that's the way the Premier League view us. And they just think, how dare they say they want to have the game cancelled when they've got all these reserves. And yet, as we know... There is a pattern to the reserves that works better if they only come on as substitutes. And if you have to start them from the beginning and they're playing out of position, then uh, the, 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 the wheels come off slightly. The cogs don't fit. I mean, so um, I, I have I have 
an understanding of that viewpoint, which would be fair if it wasn't for what we know, which is that the likes of uh, Jorginho carrying an injury, uh, Conte coming yes. back from an injury, Kovacic coming back from an injury, Chaloba coming back from an injury, you know, that their point is valid. We've got a an entire squad of international players. Yes. But we don't have a squad of entirely fit players. And that is something no. entirely different. And that's what that's the point that Tuchel was making. And yeah. the Premier League thought, fuck you, and just chose to ignore it. Yeah. Well, it was interesting how he, uh, Justin also said we had a we had two COVIDs, COVID um, cases. And I thought, hang on, we had we had six. Seven. Seven, yeah. So yeah. what what was that all about then? They made a decision based on on squad depth entirely and not on... And as you said, Chidge, I think they should have closed the... Uh, closed the, the training ground down and then that would have made the statement. I think it was the fact that we somehow kept going, um, which is, you know, which is laudable, really praiseworthy that we kept going and yet were then punished for it as a consequence. Oh, yeah. But on the other hand, you see, you know, you can see it from Chelsea, the club, and Tuchel's point of view as well. I mean, I, I, I what I love about Tuchel, I mean, you know, I heard the radio today and I can't remember... Actually, no, it was, it was Matt Law, actually. I was actually, funny enough, I was listening to the London is Blue podcast. Don't tell anybody that. I don't want my reputation to be sullied. But And it was a very good one, too, actually. Boys, I'm only joking. You know I am. I love you to pieces. But it was a great podcast, actually, because it had Matt Law on it. And, of course, Matt's always worth a listen because he knows he's onions. But he was saying what I've been saying all season, actually, which is, and I, I mean, he's better equipped to say this than me, of course, because he's in the press conferences and he's asking Tuchel questions. But he says that, you know, the great thing about Tuchel is he's absolutely, completely and utterly honest. And I've been saying this too. Tuchel doesn't bullshit. There's no kind of mind games with Tuchel. He says exactly what he means. And when he says he's worried about uh, the player's welfare and, and, and uh, health, he's talking the truth. He's not bullshitting. So, you know... Basically, uh, I, it just astonishes me that the Premier League just wouldn't have that at all. And, I, and I'm and i thinking, OK, whilst on the one hand Tuchel's worried about the health and welfare of his players, he will also be aware, as the club will be aware, that we've got an inordinate amount of fixtures coming up. You know, the spanner in that works, of course, is the Club World Cup, as I said a minute ago, which means we're already going to be having to replay two games, I think. So if they start backlogging up another three, four games, it's going to be absolute chaos. So I wonder if how that much played into their decision-making to just try and struggle through. You wonder when we get to uh, the time of the, the club championship, whether it'll have made it up, you know, if we've got three games ahead of everybody else, whether that was one of their aims as well. So that by, by March, um, all the games are equaled out. You wonder they've been thinking that along those lines. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, but, uh, but, but from a point of view, I'd, I'd love Havertz to play. I don't think he'll play Lukaku. I think he'll bring Lukaku on. But the, the very fact that we know that he he's against, if he can help, if he can help it, putting players back in if they haven't trained. Yeah, I, I like this man more and more and more. I think he's. I mean, you know, what people don't don't perhaps notice is a fair way to put it. I, I think he's a highly intelligent man. But I think he's a highly good man as well. Actually, I think he's, you know, he's 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 got a lot of self awareness, and I think he he he's 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 just a, I think he's a compassionate, kind hearted man, and I think he cares for people, uh, you know, and I think that and I think the people he cares most for are his players. I really do, you know. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I'm waffling into some kind of Bob Fleming moment here or something. <laughs> anyway, 
Yes, Rolly Barkin moment. It's this this yeah. beer, mate. I, I should I should publicize this. I, I should. I can't. <laughs> what, is it, what did I call it earlier, Tony? Hyde Abbey. Hyde Abbey was it? Hyde Abbey. Hyde Abbey. Hyde they Abbey. they only sell it in like half bottles, but it's a very yeah. it's a pale ale, but it's like seven point eight percent. It's like a like a barley wine, and it's clearly beautiful. It's clearly screwed with my head. Um. So there we go. So I mean, the the, the reality is, J.K. and Tony, that we've got no idea who he's going to pick on. Sunday because anything can happen between now and then um you know what I was saying earlier on though I mean it was interesting to hear Justin's response to that because I, I don't know how you two feel about that but in the back of my mind you know Villa away is always like, oh no you know that we, they always like turn up and play really well and it's a bit of a bit of a bogey I was I was astonished when I look back at the last seven away fixtures mm. to realize actually that we'd won all of them uh, apart from two that, that that was a hangover from um Mourinho wasn't it in his Maybe, first... yeah. <clears throat> Didn't he? I think he failed to win at Villa in his three seasons and when he first came in, and uh, it sort of hung around like 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 things do, isn't it? You know, like a bad like, smell. Well, yeah. he clearly he clearly he clearly lost and he lost. Funnily enough, I mean, I know he lost last season. Although I think that was a bit of a bit of a kind of null and void match in a way, wasn't it? Last game of the season, blah 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 blah. But um, and of course, it was also. Um, it would have been about a week before the Champions League final too. So yeah, that would have, okay. yeah. But uh, the last time he lost them before that was, guess what? Under Mourinho in 2014. Yeah. So proof of mm-hmm. proof were needed. Um, I mean, the other interesting thing is the form thing. I mean, we've been all over the shop, struggling and struggling. It reminds me of that um, great uh, Lee Marvin song. I don't know why this always reminds me of Christmas, but one one wheel on my wagon. <laughs> I'm still rolling along. The Cherokees are after yeah, me. Really. That one. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like that, isn't it? That's kind of how Chelsea are playing at the moment. Yeah. Um, but Villa are in decent form. You know, they've won four in six that Gerard's been manager for. They lost one nil to Liverpool uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And they only, only narrowly. I mean, they were very unlucky in that match. And they didn't get dubbed by City. They lost 2-1. But they certainly didn't get hammered. So, you know, this is... I mean, you would say, under normal circumstances, possibly a tough match. But, of course, without knowing who on earth is going to start, particularly from what Justin was saying, who's going to start for them, it makes it very difficult to call, I think, doesn't it, Tony? Uh, yeah, I've already got my um, prediction in on the uh, the Predictor League, uh, whatever, and I am travelling all the way back to... Uh, oh, I shall be passing you quite soon, then. Yeah, Boxing Day 2007. I'm, I'm sticking my neck out saying this is going to be an absolute banger for all. Wow, really? Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm on a reasonable run of form in the Predictor League as well. Have you put 4-4 in the Predictor League? Uh, I haven't done uh, the Boxing Day fixtures yet, but that's what I will be putting. Yeah, for sure. Bloody hell, mate. Yeah. I, will, I will be passing you soon then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you see it going, JK? Uh, 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 uh. And but once again, it's entirely down to the composition of both sides, isn't it? So I, I, I just have to stick my neck out, really. I mean, I think it, it, we're just as likely to, you know, what one thing for sure is that we we will we will boss it unless they they do a a, a wolves on us in the first half. Where wolves then got knackered and couldn't do it, just because we are such a good passing side. I mean, we were even slightly guilty of that last night, which is. We're fabulous in the first two thirds, but it's just it's the final third, the the, the choice of pass. Too much shot. fannying about. There is too much fannying about, and then of course when Reese Reese came on and put in that delightful centre, yeah. and then Pulisic was very uh, 
very direct. You thought, well, actually, no, all it needs is just one moment of excellence and we score. So we, we can predict that regardless of what side um, we play, we'll have a huge amount of possession because that's just what happens. We just are that good. We are that good a passing side, which will eventually take... We're, we're, like, we're like a Man City that can't score. Yeah, entirely, entirely. And it's it's something has to happen. I always feel if we get an early goal and then don't... Well, in early on in the season, there would be no chance of anybody scoring against us. But in this instance, don't defend like Muppets. Then we'll um, we'll win the game easily, we'll win two or three nil. So uh, I'm willing to stick my neck out and uh, and say three nil. Mm, okay, so Tony's going for four four. You're going for three nil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to read you because you know I find this this brilliant thing on Flash Score where I get all these stats from, right? Yeah. So I've got as I always have a hot stat for you, which they they give up, and then I find some stats that I say the are the, are the unwanted stat, the unwanted stat of the week. Okay. Because okay. I, I, I think I feel that this is becoming a thing. It yeah. might only be becoming a thing in my head, but I'm still liking it. Anyway, the hot stat is that Chelsea are unbeaten in all five prior Boxing Day head-to-heads. They won three and drawn two. The unwanted stat, there are three this week. You're going to love these. Chelsea have the basic Tony. I should explain these are stats that say, "Oh my God, that means it's exactly going to happen." Oh fuck! Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Right. Chelsea haven't drawn three straight league games since 2012, and have yeah. never gone winless in three consecutive Premier League games under boss Tommy Tuchel. Chelsea are also looking to avoid losing back-to-back league games at Villa Park for the first time since 2003-04 after their 2-1 defeat here last term, which tells me we're either going to lose or we're going to draw. Well, I you know I've predicted the draw, and um, it's you know yeah, I, I I stick with what you're saying you, without knowing or, or having really any idea who is going to be in either team because of everything that's going on um, and uncertainty around that. It, that's why my my prediction is is way out there because it might just as well be because we don't know who's going to be there on the day for either side. Um, <sighs> I, I hate stats. Um, <laughs> so do for that, I. <laughs> for that very reason. But you, you, if you were a betting person, you would say that at least one of those unwanted stats are more likely than perhaps us turning the corner. And, and but look, look, I, I think I predicted a draw against Leicester at their place, and we won three nil. And Leicester had just hit a pretty rich reign of form at that point. Um, and I think that was the last preview show I was on because we had the Leicester guy on, didn't we? And we talked about Brendan Rodgers and that. And um, uh, and I think we were all pleasantly surprised. This was also in the pre-Juve phase where we were looking like, you know, proper uh, contenders um, before, you know, doing a bit of an anti-Joshua or a, 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 a whatever and, and getting caught by an unexpected, um, uh, underwhelming opponent and, and losing losing our legs in the ring which is where I think we are at the moment um, I think this run of form is is us doing a Thomas Hearns versus Marvin Hagler for another boxing analogy um, baby giraffe impression as we waddle around the ring trying to find somewhere to just recover for a few minutes or maybe even a Tyson Fury having been knocked out yes by what's his name and then yes. uh, and then, and then miraculously get getting up like a yeah. zombie, you know, yeah, maybe that's yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah, the, the Thomas Hearns one's a bit unfortunate because he was absolutely smashed out of the ring that day. But 
you know the one where you you do suddenly get back into the, the, the fury one is is a much better uh, andre wilder uh, is it wilder the andre wilder yeah andre and it's wilder. a much better analogy because you know he got up and he and he sort of brushed it all off and and went back to where he was being you know pretty imperious and winning the fight and i think i hope that's where we are i hope that this is our blip and it it leaves us behind um and that we go on my my biggest worry at the moment not so much Liverpool because I thought you know this goals me to say it, but Spurs gave them a right ding dong battle yeah but that was um, you know weaker well, teams blah 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 well it may, may be but Conte had that Spurs team fired up and Liverpool were a bit shell shocked okay um uh, and I don't think they expected Spurs Spurs spurned Spurs spurned some very very good chances and I, I hope that, you know, my big worry is City. City went on a, what, 23-game winning streak yeah. last season. And at the moment, they look absolutely formidable. They really do. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's what we've got to catch now. Um, and, yes, we can put the pressure on. But I think I'd rather be in their position with a four or five-point lead. Yeah. I wonder, so, I wonder if, if what... Pep's doing at City because I, I think he does think a bit like this. We all think that Pep's not going to be at City much longer. We all yeah. know that what he really wants and what they all really want is to win the Champions League, which is why it was so hilarious that we dubbed them last season. Yeah. Um, but of course, winning the Premier League is also very important to City. So I wonder if what he's trying to do is to build up such a head of steam they get so far away ahead in the in the race, the Premier yeah. League title that they can relax a bit in the Premier League and focus completely on the Champions League, which is what they really want to win, because they are are on supreme form at the moment. They're looking, as you said, like they can put one of these kind of mad 20-odd game runs, winning streaks together. I do do agree with you. I think, think, you know, anybody who finishes above City this season will win the the Premier League. Not it's yeah. not not Liverpool. I think Liverpool have still got a few vulnerabilities here and there, yeah. but, but not yeah, City. Definitely. They look horribly yeah. good at the moment. I'm yeah. going to leave the final word to J.K. I, I'm oh, and actually, I haven't told you. What I, I'm going to predict. I'm going to go two-one, mate. You know, because I can read those stats in another way, right? In other words, we're unbeaten in all five prior Boxing Day fixtures, so that means we, we won't get beaten, right? In my book. Right. Uh, we haven't drawn three straight league games since 2012, so we won't start. We won't break that record. That's what I'm saying. So I think we'll win. Um, and we haven't gone winless uh, under Tuchel for three consecutive Premier League games. So that means we're going to win. And uh, we, uh, we're looking to avoid losing back-to-back league games at Villa for the first time since 2003-04. So, you know, we're not going to... We, we will keep that record intact and we will still avoid losing to them. So I'm going to go 2-1, JK. I'm very positive. I think I'm pos- more positive. By You're positively it. more positive than me. Yes, thank you. I wasn't trying to infer that you weren't. No, 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 no. I I appreciate that. I think you were, though. Well, uh, that's your issue, old son, not mine. <laughs> Tony, can you be the arbiter on this? <laughs> he wants a recount. It's 3-0 three nil, three nil more positive than 2-1. I one. said it was. I said you were positively more positive than me. What more do you want? I felt there was an irony in that statement. No, there was no. I was being as honest as Tuchel, I think mate. JK's JK is definitely more positive, but in a kind of slightly deluded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, there we go. Um, the reality and the truth of it will be revealed on uh, Boxing Day, as ever. Uh, and uh, I'm going. I'm going if it's on. Yeah. God, you're yeah. a trooper, mate. You're a trooper. You got a ticket. Well, obviously, you got a ticket. 
Yeah, I'd love to go. I love. Uh, I, I do like Villa away. Actually, it's. A, I, I always enjoyed that one. I quite like going to. Excuse me. I quite like going to Birmingham. There's lots of fun to be had in Birmingham. Believe it or not, and I've got mates who live there. La 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 la. So, that's a sad one. I mean, trouble is, I'm, I'm kind of curfewed in Boxing Day. My family, kind of. Well, same they, here. they kind of manacle me to all sorts of objects. So I can't escape them. Well, it's the only time we ever bloody see you. We're like, yeah, but that football's on. Oh, so we don't care. We don't see you. So there you go. So I'm. I'm curfewed, but what can I say? Um, Is that how they speak, Chich? Yeah, exactly like that. Exactly. Moaning teenagers. Yeah, that's what they're like. Yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> exactly. Hey ho, anyway, oh, my family are probably listening, so anyway, whatever. Um yeah, so there we go. So that's uh, that's it uh, for us uh, until well, I was gonna say till New Year, but it's not actually because we've got another show coming up. But uh, JK as always, a stupendous pleasure. Uh, we didn't get to sing any of your new. Fa- we did. Did we sing your newfound song? Well, the um, the, uh, the yeah, the, I like to debate the uh, uh, the bugle one. Tommy Tuchel. We love Tuchel. We love bugle. Chelsea's won the Champions League. We love Tuchel. We love bugle. Chelsea's won the Champions League. Yeah, but and bugle, bugle. They like playing. They like playing a trumpet sort of thing. It must yes. be. That, mustn't yeah, it? it's a musical reference. Everybody yes, knows yeah, that. What, Absolutely. What, what we, in fact, somebody was be? singing. We love the bugle. Somebody yeah. was singing, and yeah. I was thinking, oh, as I want, has he got a music degree? I was wondering. Yeah, they're all. And, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. But then I looked at a very interesting derivation of um, uh, various aspects of of uh, Cockney rhyming slang to do with the nose and hum and smell and bugle. I don't know. In my day, it used to be called Bolivian marching powder. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. What's we, wrong we with that? You, we love Tuchel. We love Bolivian marching powder. Chelsea win the Champions League. In, in, in the early noughties, it was Gak. Where did Gak ever come from? Please, oh, somebody explain to me why it was called Gak. Bolivian marching powder worked for me in my yeah. day, back back when I was a youngster. There was a, there was a lot of, um, of marching in a kind of Bolivian way, particularly from oh. one... They have one, joppers and leather boots on? Oh, all of that. And funny peaked cool. hats? They were very, very very sculpted haircuts and gilets from various people trying to get us all to sing the song. I know. I know you were upset by that, but JK, they're youngsters, mate. Let them have a, that's what the youngsters are like, you know, know. just don't worry about it. Let it go, man. Let it go. Chidge, how do they, they're not really watching, they're watching Well, that's up to them, isn't it? Chidge, they're not watching the team. I know, but that's up to them. They're there to have a good time and just like, you know, get behind He kept saying, he kept saying, Sal, Game off. <laughs> Game off. <laughs> and I kept thinking, I think I think you've taken something or you're very pissed. But also, Sal's playing out of his skin. I, I don't think it's a good idea. To Everybody take has a different, you know, way of enjoying the game. And I have to say, I speak as somebody who spent... I mean, you know, why do you think I have people like you and Mark Meehan on the... 50 years of history shows because a lot of the period that we've covered I was so drunk I don't remember who I was let alone what game I was at we all have a different way of enjoying the game no, I, have, I understand. you know I understand. just let them get not... on with it mate let no, them get I, on with I, it. no I, I, I want to, my part of it is that is that I, I want them to appreciate what's going on well that's up to them no I know it's up to them but I it's the the joy of watching some of the players you know it, it's you're missing out. Yeah, well, on... they, they could be like me and they'll watch it on YouTube in 20 years' time and they go, oh, fuck me, that was good. Why I don't I remember was... that? Oh, that's because I got, got I was absolutely there. shit-faced. Yeah, yeah but I was right. shit-faced, but I was That's there. what I say on the 50 well, years' shows. 
Speaking very quickly of uh, shitfacery, shithousery, did you see the wonderful pictures of Kunde, who I yes. would I'd be quite happy if he was to replace Rudiger, yes. throwing the throwing the ball at, uh, Alba. at Jordi, Jordi Alba after he'd been, I mean, he's a unit, Kunde. Yeah. my goodness yeah. me, after he'd been barged and he just got fed up and threw the ball at him and was sent and off. Alba went down like he had been shot. Oh, as if, yeah, as if, as if somebody <laughs> shoved, shoved the goalpost up his ass. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. No, no. I, I, was, I was just thinking... I'd like you at Chelsea. Yep. Sign him up. Here goes. He's the man for me. Sign him up. JK, um, have a fantastic Christmas, mate. And thank you hugely for your just Herculean efforts this year. I mean, apart from the fact that you're on every bloody show with me, which, you know, people get less for murder, for God's sake. Uh, you know, you've now come up with this fan bite, which is just absolutely brilliant. So, you know, you do, you deserve a massive round of applause and a pat on the back. So, thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. But I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving being on the show. I'm loving. I think I think we've got a fantastic team. We have around us, and uh, Tony's included in that. Brilliant, Tony. Yeah, It's great fun, and it's great to be able to have an opportunity to do these little things. Which, yeah. as we said, I never ever intended for it to be like this. It was just supposed to be that you know we advertised everybody, and everybody had a go. But uh, the fact that also that it's you're too it's, good at it, it mate. It's, well, it's, it's <laughs> but it's create so many people are, are coming onto the the fancast yeah, uh, Twitter yeah. Twitter account and um, yeah. joining it. It's just absolutely fabulous. So it's great for the show. So it, it's work. It's worked. It's worked. Right. I'll tell you something very funny when we go off air. All right, all right that'll, that'll piss off the Mixler and the podcast people. Hooray! But that's how it works. <laughs> anyway, J.K., have a have a great Christmas, mate, and stay safe Thank and you. enjoy Thank the you. games that you go to. Uh, Tony, Thank as you. always, an absolute delight uh, to see it's you on the great. show. But I mean, also throughout the year, as I said, my only regret is yeah. thanks to fecking COVID, I've not actually been able no. to sit and have a beer with you are, when, this year. When it happens, when it happens, like it did back in uh, early July yes. for our. Um, uh, our fan cast yes. um, reunification. Yeah, yes. Um, uh, the resorgimento of the fan it cast. Will be, it will be superb. I, I have to mention um, uh, one thing, I think, which is, uh, I, you know, I, I play walking football. Uh, I've been a fairly rich run of form lately. Got the odd goal here and there. But you need to know that last week I made what has been voted the save of the season because I had to go in goal. Um, and it was a combination, really. The the guy, it, the ball comes at you pretty quickly because it, you know, it's walking football. It's there's a little borderline on what walking is. Uh, and the guy that came at me is a very skillful player. I was in goal. I literally just put the gloves on, uh, and he took the shot. And I went to my right, and it hit my right hand, and it went up. But it did one of those really awkward spins. But it goes over your head. And you think, oh, fuck. And I managed to leap back, Bonetti-like, and scoop it as it just got to the line out, to which all other 13 players gave me a round of applause. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's one of those moments, and I know it sounds daft, but you you know when you see footballers kind of puff their chest out as they get applauded off the pitch or the, whatever, yeah? And it just felt like one of their moments. I just had to throw it in it because uh, I surprised myself, A, with my own agility, uh, and B, the fact that, you know, I've made what was initially a pretty good save, but it had just spun it really off the glove. But to go back, as it was literally just on the line and then push it away out of play, uh, was one of those moments where I just stood, even I was grinning, thinking, okay, now how did you get that? Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there because it's it adds, it adds, it adds to my... Um, it adds to my profile as an expert on football. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah. 
Yeah, was yeah, this yeah. A, was this a Banks like um, going back? Do you know what? All of the WhatsApp uh, memes that were sent into our little Walkie Football WhatsApp group like, were were of that Banks save. Uh, in 1970, from uh, uh, was it Pele or Jazina? I can't remember. It was Pele, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all I can say, all I can say, Tony, is I'm glad I wasn't there to hear the thud as you hit the ground. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it was such a good save that I just grinned through any short-term pain. Marvelous. Well, I don't. I hope you don't have any pain over Christmas. I hope you have a great Christmas, man. As I said, again, yes, thank, thank, great, thank yeah. you for all of your huge support doing what you do for us. Yeah, uh, every, I love doing yeah. this, mate. I love it. You know that. Great stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, JK and I will be back on uh, Monday, uh, so the day after Boxing Day, for the main Chelsea Fancast show with Mark Meehan. The wonderful Mark Meehan will be with us at 7pm. We'll be looking back at the Villa match and ahead to the Brighton match. And then next Thursday evening, again, because we're not going to do a show on New Year's Eve. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, so next Thursday evening, we'll be back with a preview show with JK, me, Dane and Adam Newson from London, And we'll be looking back at the Brighton match and ahead to the Liverpool match. So there we go. Now, on behalf of all of us at the Chelsea Fancast, I'd like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And uh, I do hope that Santa deposits something nice in your stocking. <laughs> what? I mean it. Oh, matron. <laughs> there we go. I couldn't resist. Uh, you lot in Mixler, you've been wonderful as always. Thank you for supporting us all year. And uh, everybody who's listening to this podcast too, thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.